There's never enough meat mountain talk. I want to scale the meat mountain. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, meat, mountains, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. Do we ever? My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week, we're going to be predicting a Sony and Marvel combined universe, Mike. Ooh, okay. All right. We're going to be looking at The Batman's new suit. Ooh, okay. Probably the biggest news this week, Mm -hmm. other than Meat Mountain. Uh, (laughs) Shang-Chi is going to show us uh, sharing is caring. Okay. And more. Yeah, has anybody out there ever had the Meat Mountain? I, it's it's not like a new item. It's like this specialty sandwich at Arby's. I, it's probably region locked, you know, yeah. like video games that exist in the world. So I don't know if you can just go out and get it right now. But I just thought it was hilarious that Arby's had the hubris to make a sandwich that had all of their meats on it. And then also to name it the Meat Mountain, they're like, no, we can't even gussy this up. There's no way to make this okay. We're going to call it exactly what it is, a mountain of meat. So me and Chris have been talking about that oh, on yeah. the microphone. All, all week, actually. Uh, and then seeing a photo of it makes you like, what What is? What are they thinking? <laughs> uh, and then we went down this little interesting caloric rabbit hole. And the Meat Mountain, despite having every meat on their menu... It's not the most calorie item on the list at Arby's. So yeah, it, the, it, it's deceptive. <laughs> it's it's the milkshake <laughs> yeah. coming in at number one. Uh, like, and also it was like an Andy's mint milkshake. So yeah. it's like I know like mint isn't just like inherently like healthy, but like when you kind of have that mint flavor, you think you're being good. So they're just like deceptively having you slurp down this milkshake. So I feel like I got to eat a meat mountain and a milkshake today. Oh my gosh, that, that's that, all you can have for this week. You're cut off. Because that would like. be what that would be two, like. It would be like two thousand twenty one hundred calories. Yeah. I think that was the range that we were putting. And that's in. if you don't get fries. Are you gonna get oh. fries with this? Oh man, well you gotta get fries. I you mean, gotta get fries. You, you gotta dip it in the milkshake and then stuff it in the meat mountain. Yeah. Then the meat mountain needs supports. You gotta put the fries in there so it doesn't avalanche. Right. Yeah. I mean. I I don't know regionally again before we get into actual things stop talking about Arby's here uh, <laughs> if I go to St. Louis Arby's there serves waffle fries uh, along with curly fries and I love me some waffle fries hands down <laughs> I do love waffle fries I mean I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get too uh, west coasty over here on you but uh, I really want to try uh, Beyond Meat is starting to like push chicken which I think is uh, really cool because I love all of this like fake science meat stuff because uh-huh. I just like all of the engineering that goes into this. So like Beyond Meat and Impossible uh, Meats has, have been doing – they've been doing like sausages and like ground beef recently. And that's the stuff that's been really popular, but they're starting to slowly roll out chicken. But the only place you can get it is like down in Atlanta at like a Wendy's or like a KFC. They're doing like Beyond Meat Nuggets. So like that's a fast food item I've been coveting, but I can't get because it's not out here on the West Coast. But um, if you're down in the Atlanta area, let me know if you can still get those Beyond Nuggets. I want to know if they're tasty. See, that's crazy because everything I've always known growing up, it always tastes like chicken, Mike. So how hard can it be to make something actually taste like (laughs) chicken? Well, that's exactly before these new fancy fake meat companies existed. All of the old boring fake meat companies had their fake chicken. 
And since my wife is vegetarian, I've tried all of the different types of fake meat. And the chicken is the mo- is the easiest thing to replicate. Like you can get like fake chicken nuggets like in their grocery store right now. Like Morningstar makes them, Coron, I think that's the name of the company, makes them. And they all taste fine. They all taste extremely similar to a real chicken nugget. So I'm like, man, if Beyond Meat is stepping up to the plate, I'm sure they're pretty good. Yeah. So, so okay, after that's you, enough, that's so after time. what I'm trying to say is after you feel incredibly guilty for eating the meat mountain, which I think is like three different animals between two buns, you can go pl- cleanse your karm- karmic palate by eating some fake chicken nuggets uh, from yeah. a KFC somewhere in the south. Right, exactly. The thing is, though, and I, I've got to go over this because I've, I've tried the like I've been trying the impossible sandwiches. Right, mm-hmm. you're not eating healthy by eating these. They're not to make you have lower calories in your Whopper. They're just to let vegetarians and vegans eat the same thing without tasting different. Yeah, they've basically hit the same nutrition levels. Like, it's the same protein content. It's pretty much the same caloric content, but the bonus is... These patties don't have any any um, cholesterol, and or, or well, it's either they don't even have have cholesterol or they don't have um, saturated fat. So there's actually a bonus health wise to it, but it just depends. If you're not if you're out there only eating a hamburger maybe like once a week anyway, you know you probably don't have to go out of your way. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. anyway, or eat, eat your Cheerios <laughs> for your cal- for your cholesterol, Mike. Okay, that's what I'm telling you right here. Yet, yet another superhero site podcast where we start talking about food before <laughs> we talk about anything else related to uh, TVs, movies, and superheroes. Exactly. So in that case, Mike, before we get into TVs, movies, or superheroes, tell me what you did this weekend. I gotta know. I finally beat Uncharted Four, so yeah. I have finished the Uncharted franchise, which is what I found out is what they kind of call it because I watched all the I watched all the credits for video games because I'm terrified of hitting the start or the X button when the credits roll because I don't want to skip them because if there's something at the very very end I don't want to skip some sort of cutscene. Um, there wasn't one on this game, so don't worry. But when I was looking when I was watching the credits roll, I saw some fine print that was specially thanking people for the Uncharted franchise. So I'm glad I finally beat it it took a little while i slowly worked my way through the story driven game very very fun uh the last one is just chef's kiss it's great uh they've just like learned so much over the previous three games and it's just it was just it was amazing that the story was great it ended on this very cinematic last fight scene that was could have been ripped out of like a blockbuster movie um and then surprise to me there was this beautiful playable epilogue at the end of the game which kind of wrapped up everything but you know in the future it still kind of leaves it open to future games which I, which I kind of appreciated but it seems like they're at least for now retiring uh, the Nathan Drake character at least for the foreseeable future but I just wanted to say it was a really beautiful story so you could I mean these games are old now so you can easily go to like a used game store and probably pick them up for nothing you can buy the first three games in like a digital pack just on the PlayStation Store. That's what I did. And then Uncharted 4, I think, came out in 2018, maybe. So you can still find that used or buy it digitally. But I think it's 20 bucks brand new. I guess uh-huh. it's actually part of their, uh, what is it, their hits collection, and those usually fluctuate on sale. Yeah. Well. But it was a uh, it was a little bit of a jarring experience because right after I finished Uncharted, maybe a couple hours later, I booted in my new uh, Star Wars game, which I keep forgetting the title of. It's the new one. Fallen Order. Called? Fallen Order. I was like, I know there's an F in there. There's a, the F and an O, but I don't know. Well, Force. 
uh, opened or something like that. But yeah. anyway, uh, I, I, I'm just at the very, very, very beginning. Like I'm just working my way through kind of like the tutorial phase of that game. But it's a jarring experience because the first thing that that game teaches you to do is how to scale and traverse um, um, just like the world. And like, man, Uncharted 4 had that down to like a picture perfect science and uh, so far, the Star Wars game it's it's a it's a little it's a little more wobbly trying to scale things. But I'm just like, uh, it's okay. I got a lot more to get through. I got to learn how to use my lightsaber, learn how to force works. You know, if the traversing isn't as perfect as Uncharted, I think I can let it go. So uh, hopefully, I'll have some more time to play this uh, Force. Fallen oh, Order. Fallen Order. <laughs> There's no force well, in it in the title. Hopefully, hopefully I have a more time to play it, but uh, it looks beautiful. The graphics look great so far. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep us updated on that, Mike. I'm, keep I'm you posted. Yes. We, well, we've got more video games to talk about later today, so that's that's pretty good. And also, we're going to talk about board games, but that's what I'm going to kind of give my, my little chart here at the top uh, is that I went and played um, board games with uh, my friend Patrick Foster and our friends this weekend um, at his house. Uh, he's been on the show before we had a, we had a movie podcast for a while and you know, uh, he was in my wedding. So I got introduced to a lot of board games I've never played before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them I'm going to, we're going to talk about, uh, I'll talk about what it's called blood rage. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's essentially the, the map is, uh, kind it's very Norse mythology in the middle is Yggdrasil, the tree and everything around it's like, there's Muspelheim and like all these other like Norse towns, like you might be familiar with from Thor. Mm-hmm. And the point is like, to uh, pillage these things, build up your armies, and then let Ragnarok kill you for the next round. Because if you die a glory, gloryful death in that area, you get more points. And it was a wild four-player kind of scramble across this map. And I could summon, like, fire demons. And they all have little figures, and it was really cool. So, Oh, man, I love game with little figures. I just love little things. <laughs> yeah, like, like, it was pretty great. Like, the physicalness of it is, like, you're not just moving, like, a little token around mm-hmm. um so that we I, I gotta play that twice that was pretty fun but there was a bunch more other ones i'll probably think of later but um yeah games we, we got some to talk about later as well but first i'm gonna talk about probably something that uh surprised us the most surprised me the most at least here is uh sonic the hedgehog dropped this weekend and we know you took your loved one out to watch <laughs> this movie because it is sitting currently at the highest video game box office opening ever above detective pikachu which yeah. is blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly shocked, but at the same time, um, uh, I'm not considering myself uh, uh, an, an ill-timed predictor here because uh, I follow a lot of nerds on Twitter. So uh, they all were very excited to see Sonic on the big screen. Obviously, we had this huge uh, debacle of the character being redesigned like halfway through production. So I feel like a lot of people were invested in seeing this character. So uh, it's important to note that the Rotten Tomato score is the audience score. Right. It is, yes. uh, it's not the critic score, which, you know, obviously you can mince numbers there of who you want to believe. And also the uh, the A Cinema score that it got, um, it, the A Cinema score is kind of like this weird new metric that I feel like studios are starting to glom onto because it's not like when you're great, it's not, it's not like grading like a paper in school. It's not like you get an A because you successfully achieved all of the things that you needed to do on this assignment or on this movie. It's really just how did you feel coming out of the movie? Yeah. So, you know, if you felt pretty good coming out of the movie, uh, you get the A Cinema score. But uh, I've seen mixed reactions on both sides. So a lot of the Sonic nerds had a really, really good time during the movie. 
They just love seeing their big blue character on the big screen. He finally got his time to shine. And then I saw some more uh, pragmatic people that were just like, no, this movie was just a giant vehicle for product placement. Um, like every opportunity that they had, they put a big logo on the screen. I'm assuming the studio was afraid it was going to lose money, so they put as many uh, as many logos as they could in there. And then some people just straight up said they didn't like the story. So I would think that we're looking at a uh, a rose tinted glasses situation here. Uh, maybe when a lot of these people go back to watch it when it's like streaming digitally, wherever it's going to stream. Maybe people's opinions will change, but uh, Chris and I didn't see the movie, so we no, don't really we have it. we don't really have much much opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I'm I'm gonna lean the other way away from Mike that it's not a rose tinted thing because again, Sonic, I I, I I listened to I did a lot of driving this weekend a Super Mario Brothers podcast uh, where they watched it recently and that movie just doesn't hold up, you know, it never never did, and and you know Sonic was kind of his rival, and I think the thing is that at this one that Jim Carrey literally is like the, the the star of this I guess more so than Sonic because he's tapping into that um Ace Ventura uh, the mask the, the mask the, all that crazy stuff he did and that's you know we when we talked about it first Jim Carrey's probably going to be the reason if I do watch this whether it's you know through uh, a regular way or not that this would be a uh, the reason to watch this for his kind of crazy take on this Dr. Robotnik character um, so I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, it's barely sitting about out at, at fresh on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. It's got a really great audience score. So I mean, maybe this is one of those things where it's like it's not a perfect movie, but it's a fun movie you can put on in the background and not really have to pay attention to. Um, yeah. So I would I would say this is a, a very good sign for the um, the Mario movie that's I believe still being made at Illumination Entertainment, which is the studio that makes um, the Minions movies and the Despicable Me movies. So, I mean, if that Mario movie is still in production, this could be a big sign for them that, like, even a movie that stars Sonic the Hedgehog, which I I think everyone would say plays second fiddle to the IP that is Mario, makes uh, just a serviceable movie, and it gets a pretty decent uh, reaction at the box office. And score-wise, I would think the Mario movie now just has a clear way to come in here and be like, all right, Detective Pikachu uh, uh, set it up, then uh, Sonic uh, stepped one up, and, and now it's our time to make a big uh, box office blast. Well, and I think also Mario Mario had really good animated stuff in the late 80s, early 90s. And because, like, there, what, what is the story of Mario, right? You're just wandering through a thing, jumping and getting coins for, like, the, the earlier games. So, like, he has no story. There's nothing there. You just saved the princess from the big big dragon in animation you know as we talk about if it's purely animations not live action it could work in that favor for mario um because they don't need to grasp onto the gameplay mechanics they can actually probably tell a story so um yeah i don't know i mean again maybe maybe i'll catch us uh some other way i'm not going to the theater to watch this movie to be honest but, <laughs> yeah uh, i think i had to g- drag you kicking and stre- screaming the go see detective pikachu so we could no, talk about it on the show no I, so. <laughs> i'm a big fan i mean i'm a pokemon fan i play all the games i, I don't think so it's ninja turtles you had to drag me kicking and screaming <laughs> to um so uh I, I think i think this is uh it's just interesting news i mean really that's what it is we, we're not watching it but i wanted to say i didn't think it would get anywhere near any of these audience scores at, at the end of the day so there's that falcon and winter soldier uh is apparently wrapping production in atlanta um they may be going to puerto rico to film but due to some natural catastrophes over the past year or so i don't know if that's still happening but they say they're done in atlanta so 
Um, do you think we're going to get like a, a bigger trailer this before? Do you like? How do you think they're going to advertise this the show, Mike? Do you, they would do like a Netflix thing where they do it like just the month before. I mean, at Comic Con. I mean, gosh, I would I would like to think that they would do it just how they would do any Marvel movie, since uh, that's what Feige keeps signaling that these TV series are just as important, just as expensive, and just as awesome as the movies. So yeah, I would hope to see a, a trailer. It'd be and it'll be interesting to see how a trailer is cut for a uh, a Marvel series of this caliber because usually uh, TV show trailers you're just kind of getting the first episode and then you kind of uh, you see the rest as you watch the series. So if this is all going to be done and cut and ready to air, maybe we'll get more of a all encompassing trailer that kind of gives you the tone of all. Eight, six episodes? I don't remember six to where eight, we're Somewhere at. there, yeah. yeah. We won't, really probably won't know until like, they show up. Can yeah, I? so I, I guess we would just think normal normal movie routes. I mean, the next Marvel movie coming out is uh, Black Widow. So maybe we'll see a proper cinematic trailer that's in front of that. You know, mm-hmm. we're, so, we're so used to seeing movie trailers in front of movies and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a law somewhere that the only trailers played in front of a movie in a movie theater must be a film maybe Netflix trailers before I I'm trying to think if I have I mean if it's if it has been I would assume it's been a Netflix movie but yeah I mean Disney's got the clout they got the poll if they say no you're playing this Falcon Winter Soldier trailer in front of uh, Black Widow or you're just not getting our movie so yeah, let's see if that happens. That could be I'm, first. I'm thinking, you know, this is a, this is the first time we have a show that's tied into the large portion of the use, and it's technically the next series after Black Widow, right? The next storyline, mm-hmm. and the spy portion of Black Widow would tie very, very tightly into Falcon and Winter Soldier. So mm-hmm. what if the end credit scene, the stinger, ties into this? Oh, directly. possibly, maybe. Because I don't see, I mean, as much as I'd like to think Black Widow could tie into the um, Eternals, I don't know how that would work. Mm-hmm. Other than just some uh, random scene that has yeah, nothing to do so, with it. Yeah, so maybe Black Widow's post credit scene is Falcon Winter Soldier, and then they drop the trailer just on, like, Jimmy Kimmel, like, a week later or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly one way to do it. Like, that, they could uh, tie it all together into the spy thriller of that because I think it's going to have like the same kind of um, vibe between Black Widow and this you know like I said spy thriller stuff like that maybe not as large action piece not not as many David Harbour with a Russian accent but you know we can we can make it work here so yeah I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking forward to see more of that rather than just the Super Bowl spot Hawkeye is apparently back on track or was never off track to debut fall of 2021 they're still looking to um, cast Kate Bishop Apparently, Haley Seinfeld, we talked about before, has an Apple TV show uh, commitment, mm-hmm. and we don't know if that'll affect her availability to be in this Marvel show, which, whatever, they can cast whoever they want for this character. No one who goes to the movies is going to know who Kate Bishop is, but, we, I mean, I think maybe we both agree, so Haley Seinfeld would have been a good grab, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, they don't, I don't think Marvel casts badly, do you? I mean... No, I mean, uh, I mean, so far, knock on wood, uh, Marvel is relatively insulated from faults with most of their properties. Uh, uh-huh. They've they've pretty much nailed the casting. Uh, the closest I think they've come to kind of messing up 
really anything monumentally is when directors have dropped out, but they've been lucky that it's been early enough in the process that the process that they've been able to replace them. It, so, no Star Wars scenarios. Yeah, no. Halfway yeah. Through. Now I'm not saying Di- I'm not saying Disney yeah. <laughs> has been able to do this, but yeah, so far so good. Um, just time will tell, but. Um, I was just doing the math in my head here that uh, I think we've been predicting in the past that once Disney Plus is kind of up and rolling, there'll be something Marvel on there like every quarter because yeah. um, I know Bob Iger is retiring soon, but the next CEO will love to get on that investor's call and say, hey, this past quarter, we just had this Marvel show do really, really well. And hey, we got another one coming next quarter. So just at the right. very simple math in my head, which is available to literally anyone, uh, a quarter is three months, correct? Yes. And there's uh, approximately four weeks in there, so 12 weeks. So really, Disney Plus just needs kind of two originals every quarter to have something for a subscriber to watch every single week. Now, it might not be Marvel stuff, but, you know, if you have, like, one Marvel show a quarter, then, like, another, you know, whatever else original that's six weeks long. Well, they have to go down. I think they have to go down every funnel and have an original thing there every week on every funnel. Because you're not going to have your kid who's watching the Disney thing, you know, wanting to watch uh, the high school musical, the musical, the show or whatever, they're not going to possibly be watching the Mandalorian or something like that. So I think either there are five funnels when you, when you drop in there and they have the five buttons at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Disney, star Wars, uh, Marvel, national geographic, and what's Pixar. Mm-hmm. I think each one of those has to have something new every quarter. And I think star Wars will not, but Marvel has the opportunity. Cause we have what we counted last week, eight shows. Um, between now and 20, the end of 2021 for phase four. Mm-hmm. So that could easily six of those times, six times eight is 48. That's almost a whole year with like four weeks off. Yep. That's and why you listen. That's why you listen to superhero slate. Cause we do the math. Exactly. And uh, what's the <laughs> other one? Um, well, at least uh, the, the animation, the what if has 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I keep forgetting that what if is a thing and I'm very excited every time I remember, I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to get some what if scenarios here. And they, and they count those as uh, MCU. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to count in there. Uh, the Hawkeye fall 2021. That's fine. Um, the only Avenger who didn't get his own movie at the end of the day. <laughs> so get him, get him a show, get him on there. Miss Marvel, uh, we've talked about, could be gearing up to film this April. Uh, will introduce or reintroduce, depending on who you are, inhuman characters to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ooh, so this this uh, is kind of answering a question that I had. Is I was curious if maybe they would change the origin of her character and maybe make her more mutant based, just because no. maybe that would be the direction they'd want to have. Only because the Inhumans did not go very well earlier in the MCU on television. So But now we know that's not in the MCU. That was just a a side project. <laughs> yeah, like no 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 that didn't happen there. What are you talking about? Well the T V I mean well I mean again, if you can't control the T V series, like you take it out as soon as you possibly can. Um, that was in the Jeff Jeff Lobo verse, so Yeah. yeah that's uh, and that didn't work out well for anybody. Yeah, but this will be this will be an interesting tightrope that uh, Marvel walks is they're going to introduce Inhumans, which uh-huh. is fine, nothing wrong with that. It can it can work and it can be accomplished. And then we know sooner rather than later uh, they're going to be introducing the idea of mutants. So I'm just kind of curious how they pull those two threads because I mean I don't know exactly when Inhumans were introduced in the comic books. But I could only assume there was a healthy amount of time between when the concept of a mutant was introduced and the concept of an inhuman was introduced. So 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're just going to throw like Reed Richards up on the screen. And he's just going to be like, oh, man, people, stuff got crazy after the blip. We got inhumans over here. We got mutants over here. The world's going crazy. We're just going to leave it like that. Well, I know for a fact I had the very first Inhuman book, which came out in 1965. And I just did a quick look here. X-Men number one mutants was uh, 63. So less than oh, two years between. Wow. Conflicts. All right. Well. You proved me wrong. I guess yeah. there was. I was. I was just assuming at least like fifteen years. <laughs> I think the thing is, X Men grew to be a prominent team name, while the Inhumans were side characters in Fantastic Four for a long time. So you'd have mm-hmm. to pick up a Fantastic Four book before you ever got to Inhumans. Um, but I, I think you know. I think there is a way for to to do this. This is an opportunity. Again, we, we talked about this in, in X-Men. Like, if you need someone with an ability, you just give them a power, right? Um, this is a way to, to create new powers and new abilities in the MCU both ways, uh, in humans and um, mutants, without having to give them a huge backstory, like a whole film, if they have, like, abilities right out the gate. Is now, there is there any well-known stories in the comics where the Inhumans go up against the mutants? Or how often do they even interact? I mean, I'm just not familiar I mean, I I don't know because the the Quicksilver did um, marry an Inhuman uh, at one point. So. Yeah, I was I was just thinking because you know we're trying to think of like new conflicts that could lead to like big gigantic tentpole movies in the future, and it seems like there could be a story told there where it's Inhumans kind of versus mutants, where like Inhumans could maybe tout this idea that you know we we're kind of royalty backed. You know, we were intentionally kind of created by a higher race. So we're just kind of, we, we, we just, we're meant to be here. Whereas like maybe mutants can kind of be seen as more of like low, low class freaks. I don't know. There, it yeah. seems like there's got to be a collision well, of these two th- concepts. There there was recently, a couple years ago, Inhumans versus X-Men a series. So what had happened was there was this, uh, the Terrigen cloud, right? The, the mm-hmm. Terrigen mist turns latent in humans into Inhumans, gives them their mm-hmm. abilities, went around the world activating all these Inhumans. That's how Miss Marvel was introduced to the MC, to the comic book world. This cloud came around, she was in the cloud, her powers uh, debuted. Um, this cloud was found out later to actually be killing or affecting X-Men negatively, like the other way. Mm. So um, there it came to head, like, Inhumans were like, yes, these people who had these abilities have the right to have their abilities revealed if they want, but the X-Men are like, well, we, you don't have, like, this cloud doesn't have the right to kill us in outright. So that was, like, one of the bigger conflicts more oh, recently that they've okay. had. Okay. So they, they, they've been known to, they've been known to butt heads. Do yeah. you think, do you, do you think since Inhumans are rooted in the origin of, like, kind of early Earth, you know, they, uh, you know, they were created a while ago. Do you think, um, do you think the uh, Eternals are going to have any sort of hand oh, in the origin? 100%. It, Eternals did create the Inhumans kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, um... I think the movie, or not, the Celestials created the Inhumans. So I think Miss Marvel, since she's going to probably be springish of 2021, the Eternals movie will kick off that without Ooh. having to explain 
the royalty base in humans on the on the moon kind of thing because do you do you think they'll do you think it'll be a, a large portion of the movie like is the movie really going to be all about how they're going to start experimenting on humans and they're going to just change the change their dna makeup no. and turn them in the, or do you think it's going to be like a post-credit scene i think i think it'll be an early credit scene and then they're, they're going to find out that the celestials didn't only or that the celestials didn't only create eternals they created a backup group of people known as the humans. Like you know, I can, I can, I feel like I can start to see Kevin Feige's whiteboard <laughs> in my head now. He's just like, all right, Eternals gots to come out before Miss Marvel because we got to explain Inhumans, and then we got to put this kind of mutant idea in here. So we got to have like Wanda's show before we introduce yep. the mutants, or that's not going to make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, I think mutants are going to be mutants are going to be the the biggest question. How do you create a world where mutants just pop up the next day, mm-hmm. kind of deal? Whereas in humans are like you were exposed to this and you have a latent gene. Like that makes more sense. Like why you didn't know you had something, um, and, and why they've come to this. So I, I don't know what this is going to do, but like they are looking to introduce not the the royalty characters, but a character called Cameron. Uh, which is he he's like a blue liquidy person looking in his ability, and he has like a. Uh, uh, he's the same age as Kamala Khan who plays Miss Marvel and becomes like her ally during this because they both have the same affliction of being an inhuman kind of deal. All right. Um, I don't know. I, I, we need to have more. We're going to talk more about Miss Marvel in a little bit. I I think, I think people are very, very welcoming and opening to her idea as an inhuman. Um, and that's why they've not really latched onto mutants and other properties yet. We'll talk about that here in a second. All right. Black Panther Two. I I just picked up. Uh, I just got the game this weekend. Wakanda Forever, the the board game. Oh, I, I didn't know there was a board game. Yeah, it's it's on sale at Target. In case anyone's curious, there's probably a reason why this is only half half price right now. Um, I've got it right here I, in my hand. I was gonna say, are you holding it right now? I hear it, shuffling. Yeah, it's in shuffling. Uh, it looks like you play as like five different tribes, and there's like little beads, and you're trying to to do something. I don't know. Uh, get the throne, I guess. I'm very excited. I'm gonna open it up. It's uh, sitting right here with me. Um, but Black Panther 2 will be using Chang- Shang-Chi's studio space in Australia sometime between March and June 2021 for filming. This is only important because most of Black Panther 1 was filmed in um, Australia, or not Australia, Atlanta. So why do you think they'd be going down to Australia? Hmm. Tax rebates? <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah it, possibly. It could be tax rebates. Uh, maybe it seems like uh, um, Shang-Chi... Shang-Chi's coming out before Black Panther 2, right? That is correct. Black Panther okay. 2, Shang-Chi is technically Phase 4, Black Panther 2 is Phase 5, yeah. or the end of Phase 4. So, I mean, uh, this could be explained as simply as, like, uh, old movies done, rotate in the new movie, because mm-hmm. we basically are just going to keep the studio spot until the end of time, so let's just keep rotating movies through there. Or maybe we could analyze it a little bit more and be like, oh, well, if Black Panther 2 is mainly filmed in a stage in uh, you know down in Atlanta... Well, Australia, you know, has a lot more wildlife to it. I could I could see it resembling Africa in a way, so maybe they'll be going outside more. Maybe oh. we'll be really concentrating more on Africa and uh, Wakanda in the scenery aspect, but who knows? The whole freaking continent is on fire, so that might not work out well for them. Uh, but, yeah, it could just be as well, simple as a studio space. My, my question here is why would you not put Thor there? Because Chris Hemsworth lives there. Taika Waititi's from New Zealand. It's very close. 
Nah, he's uh, he's feuding with his neighbor. He just like, oh, I don't want to awkwardly see him at dinner. No, no, no. Let's shoot Thor somewhere else. I got some, I got, I got some bad debts that I don't want. I can't go back to Australia. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I think it might be in England. So I mean, this is just interesting that they move um, Black Panther there. But also, like you said, I also thought the same thing. Like, if they want it to look like Africa. They could use the Australian outback very, very easily. Now, this is a this is a uh, more of an anecdote, uh, but Netflix has like this new kind of um, like live audience show coming out. Because I, I just randomly saw the trailer for it. I don't remember what it's called, but it's about like a like a teenager that has like a PhD. So imagine whatever sitcom scenarios you want to with that. But I was watching the trailer and I was looking at the house that they show and it was like, that is the exact same set from Two and a Half Men. I've seen enough seasons of that show to know exactly what that house looks like. And that they're just reusing the set. They just they just they just picked it up. They're like, all right, let's just put the actors in there. We'll just assume that nobody that watched that show is going to watch this show. So who knows? Maybe we'll be watching Black Panther 2 and like, hey, minute, that's a Shang-Chi's apartment. Uh, Black Panther can't be there, but who knows? Yeah. Well, if it was a TV show, I'd agree. But uh, I think they're just going to, again, chuck it out to the Australian bushfire. <laughs> start over. Yeah. Start over They're just gonna repaint the rocks. Okay, all the all the rocks in Shang Chi were orange. All the rocks in Black Panther Two are gonna be brown. Just put yeah. a new sl- coat of paint on them. That's it's terrible, terrible thing. But Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten, Ten Rings, his movie, right? I called mm-hmm. this. I'm, I'm gonna hold this up for a while because I because I totally said this was gonna happen. Uh, They're casting a mysterious crime boss. Now, not the mm-hmm. main villain, a crime boss who's aged forty to sixty and must speak. Mandarin fluently. No, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> um, I think that uh, there's a character I think of called Gorgon. I think this might be him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm just very impressed that they're going through very very long you know lengths to make this very authentic to to the region that it is taking place in. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious if there's going to be any fantastical elements added to this movie you know shang chi is obviously an exceptional fighter but how how useful is he against somebody that's like super powered or using magic i would that assume space uh, alien character... rings actually is what the tin rings are yeah <laughs> go on I, I assume he could be uh i assume he could be really smart too so he could be like a this could be like a batman situation where he just thinks his thinks his way out of, out of the problems i'm just kind of curious once you integrate him into the larger universe you know does he end up kind of just being a black widow where he's just doing a lot of leather leg scissor kicks to like aliens and then he lets the other people do the big work but either way i love um i love the i love the casting so far for the movie i love uh, the guy that they cast uh he's got the most recent season of the show that he's in kim's, kim's convenience is airing right now in canada so i i wish i was up there in the great north so i could watch it so eventually that'll be streaming down here on netflix yeah. and we can all we can all enjoy a little bit of a pre-Shang-Chi comedy. Yeah. He's a funny guy. He's very active on, on Twitter, too. Mm-hmm. Um, very much, very outspoken kind of guy. So uh, I, I think that's very fun. Uh, to, to I can't think of his name either. I, I uh, Simulu. Yes, there it is. So very, very interesting. So I'm excited to see where Shang-Chi goes. And uh, like we've talked about, you can only have so many things happen in New York <laughs> if you're fighting uh, very true. aliens around the world. So I'm glad they're going somewhere else. Have you ever heard of the Agents of Atlas, Mike? Uh, about two seconds ago when you said the name. Perfect. Uh, so the Agents of Atlas is a project, it's a comic book series of a group of people. Uh, and this is a project rumored to be in development as a follow-up to Shang-Chi. Um, whether it's a TV show or movie is yet to be determined. But this team, the most recent iteration as of like the past couple of years, 
Uh-huh. The team made up of Asian and Asian American superheroes, oh. such as Shang Chi, a character called Silk, who is like a Spider Man uh, counterpart, uh-huh. White Fox, and Brawn. I don't know who that is, but also the main person, the the Shield liaison, is Jimmy Woo, who he knows playing Randall Park in WandaVision <laughs> and was in Ant Man too. Yeah, I mean, uh, we all love Randall Park. He's he's hilarious. Um... He's all over the superhero world. He was in uh, Aquaman. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see this as a series just because I really like Randall Park. I think he's a really funny guy, so I would like to see him on a weekly basis in a show. Um, but, yeah, sure, Agents of Atlas. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, it's very – like, the Agents of Atlas have, have varied all, all over – like I said, all over the place. I think since, like, the 50s or something like that. Um, but, like, they've most recently reintroduced him, and Shang-Chi is, like, that's, like, one of the books he's he's actively in. Uh, I believe um, these are ancillary characters or, like, people who, who team up along the way, but um, Wiccan and um, uh, Hulkling, the characters we've talked about recently, possibly being in other shows, uh, are, are in there as well. So. I, I would, I would, I, I mean, I can only assume. I'd love if we have any Asian listeners to uh, write in and, and let us know what they think. It is like a time in Hollywood right now for uh, for the Asian community. I mean, Bong Joon Ho just right. won Best Picture for a for a foreign film from South Korea. Um, Netflix just released the sequel to. All the Boys I Loved, which is a romantic comedy starring, um, I believe she's uh, Asian American. Um, I, no, I think she's, if I remember right from parts of the movie, I think she is Korean as well. So uh, yeah, Crazy she, Rich Asians. Crazy made... Rich crazy rich Asians, yeah, that was huge. Um, I feel like there's another, something else, I mean, well, I guess um, Shang-Chi coming out soon. So uh, I hopefully this just uh, keeps rolling for everybody. That's great. Yeah, very, very good stuff. So we'll keep you posted if that ever comes to fruition. There's other Agents of Atlas iterations where there's like a robot on the team and like a looks like a Gorilla Grodd character. So if you ever see the other ones, uh, you'd be like, this is interesting. Maybe Hitmonkey was in there too. I don't know. <laughs> where isn't Hitmonkey? I know. All right, so we're going to step in some video game news. Mike, you know, you know I'm very excited for this Marvel Avengers video game coming out at the end yeah. of the year. That's why I had to make sure I beat Uncharted because I had to move on to the next game yeah, so I could beat that. So you I can might beat have ready. you might have Fallen Order if you remember the name beaten by, <laughs> by the time this comes out in September. Yeah, uh, but the pre-orders uh, came out this week for this uh, for Xbox, PS4, and PC. No Stadia yet, Mike, because um, you don't pre-order that. But they have three versions. All right, there's the regular version, and mm-hmm. if you get it at Best Buy, it includes a steelbook with custom art on it, which looks cool. Uh, um, people love those steelbooks. I love my steelbooks, Mike. You know <laughs> I do. Um, so I actually got that for the PlayStation 4 version because I'm buying both of these so I can play with everybody who wants to play with me. Um, <laughs> you can also get the Deluxe Edition. Uh, and this comes with 72 early a- seventy-two hour early access to the game. So it's like, what, three days? Oh, and, wow. And you get uh, a custom outfit set uh, called the Obsidian Pack. Oh yeah, here. it's all it's called like kind of like fancy brushed gray kind of looking. Yeah. And then you get these little you see the little nameplates behind it there, so you can put your nameplate when you're playing online with people as something. Oh, uh, okay. Uh there's also a pre early if you pre order you get the Marvel Avengers set, which looks like their movie outfits as well. Uh, but these look pretty cool. And then you also get a free month subscription to Marvel Online Comics if you're interested. Hmm. Um, so I picked that up for Xbox. And then the one I didn't get, which we saw this debut at San Diego Comic-Con, is the Earth's Mightiest Edition, right? And this is $200. <laughs> and it comes with the game, a 12-inch statue of Captain America, uh, 
from Gentle Giant. We, I think we've talked to them before. A steel bike game, game case, a Hulk bobblehead, a Mjolnir keychain, Black Widow's belt buckle, Iron Man's prototype armor blueprints, Kamala Khan's honorary Avenger pin, and a commemorative Avengers group photo. Whew. Uh, man, video game special editions are always... <laughs> I always like looking at them, even though I never know I'll never own them, but there's just always like ridiculous like giant props. It always makes me think of... Um, do you remember that there was like a zombie game that was based that was like located on an island? I don't uh, remember what it was called. Dead, dead, dead island. Dead. Uh, maybe that. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's what it's called. But I remember they had like a special edition like figure that was like a that was like a torso that had like the head chopped off and it was just like a pair of boobs and everyone was just like no this is not okay you can't just give people a dismembered head with boobs leaving behind so um it seems like marvel made the safe choice of doing just a statue of captain america right and we, we saw i mean i think from the trailers you see that he he supposedly dies well obviously he's a playable character so he's not dead for too long right you're not gonna play him for a level um, and I just I just sent you Mike via text. You might get this the the pr- other pre order outfit with the Avengers classic oh, yeah. Avengers Hawks t shirt is barely holding on. <laughs> uh-huh. That's that's risque. Um, Iron Man Mark One armor, um, Captain America from you know the World War One or World War Two classic Thor. Yes, those are pretty cool uh, based on that. But uh, I, I'm very excited for this. Again, I was talking about this. The whole point of this game is an a Terrigen crystal reactor on the helicarrier blows up. And activates Kamala Khan's latent and human powers in this game. So they are very much leaning into the Inhumans and the Terrigen Mists and the effects around that here in this game. Yeah, right. and and Kamala Khan in general. She's she's gonna hopefully she'll she's the next big uh, breakout kind of character, just world overall. Yeah, I think I think a lot of uh, high school people, teenage girls, really gonna relate to her. So. Uh, I'm very excited for this game. Like I said, enough to buy it for Xbox and PlayStation because I want to play it with everybody. I don't care if a new game console is coming out this fall, Mike. I'm going to be using it on the current one. So, Well, are you more excited for this game or <laughs> the next game you want to talk about? So I'm more excited for this game, but the next game I want to talk about is pretty awesome. So uh, if, if you've talked to me at all this week, you probably heard me mention Marvel United, the new upcoming mini miniature slash card game from uh, Come On Games. It's on Kickstarter right now. Uh, it launched this week. The core set is 60 bucks, and you essentially play villain card, and you play cards to the right around it, as you can tell from the here. Like, I don't know if you saw it, Mikey. Like, you play a card, and then all the arrows point to the right, so you just keep looping right around hmm. the table. Uh, you can play up to four players. Every character is represented by a mini. They move in different places to attack. Uh, get points, so on and so forth. These miniatures are really cool looking, Mike. I, we've talked about this before with the, the yeah. chibi aspect. Yeah, the, the miniature seems to be the big selling aspect of kind of this, you would call this a board game, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. A tabletop game. Yeah, it's a tabletop game. board. <laughs> yeah, so like the minifigs look like they might be maybe about an inch tall. Um, and they they all have like really cool sculpts. So uh, Highly that's, detailed. That, yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what I like. Yeah, and then you know if you get it on Kickstarter, sixty bucks for the core set, you get all these Kickstarter exclusive characters. Right now, I said that I counted. Right now, currently there are twenty six characters in the base game. So for sixty bucks, you're pretty much paying two dollars per character. You know, a little little over. Um, if you add on the the Infinity uh, Saga or Infinity Pledge, you actually get the Infinity Gauntlet expansion, which has Thanos uh, and three of his uh, children of Thanos and some more stuff to do. But then they went on and later on added the Thor Asgard set, which includes Thor, Korg, Loki, Valkyrie, and Beta Ray Bill. 
um, cards and, and mini miniature figs. So right now for like 115 bucks, you get 40 something characters, I think. Mm. Uh, and they're always adding more for every stretch goal. If you're familiar with Kickstarter, yeah. I mean, I've, I, they've obviously uh, blasted past their original uh, goal of what was it, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? One hundred and fifty thousand. They're sitting at seven ninety. Yeah. When does uh, when does the Kickstarter end? Uh, March fourteenth, I believe, or March fourth, the, the beginning oh. of March. Seventeen oh, days wow. left. Yeah. So you guys got plenty of time if you want to get in yeah. on this. Um, I'm, I'm sure Chris would love to know if our <laughs> listeners are playing the game, so he can talk about it on the show. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love to. Uh, again, I, I got to give a shout to uh, listener of the show again, Patrick. We talked. He's the one who pointed out to us a couple months ago. Uh, they launched, and this is uh, you know I immediately jumped in on this because I love the look of the miniatures. I love the look, the, the simplicity of the game. So you don't. There's not a lot to teach here. Um, with all the different stuff. And then also, again, they we've talked about this before the show, they plan this out. Like, you know you're going to get something new when, when you hit a new goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent unlock was Venom as one of the characters. And as a hero, and then the next one is a villain unlock, Kickstarter exclusive of Carnage. So if you want to jump in on this, like I said, you can just get the core set for 60 bucks, and you get all these extra bonuses. Uh, if you're unsure, you don't think there's enough, we talked about this earlier as well, you can click the uh, Remind Me later, and you'll get... Like when forty eight hours are left in this, you can go see how many things have actually fully unlocked. Um, but it's cool that you know we talked about this, Marvel licensed all their their characters for this art style and be able to use in this game kind of thing for this the studio. Mm-hmm. Who created other games like the one I talked about earlier, Blood Rage? That that's the same company, so I know they're good at this. All right, I got some. I need your I, I need your conspiracy theory hat, Mike. Ooh, this is, me, this can, is where me. I need. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're the best at doing conspiracy theories out of both those. I'll admit it right now. All right. But Sony unveiled a new Spider-Man Universe movie for October 8th, 2021. Oh, Spider-Man Universe movie. Okay. Uh, and this is this is next year, so I would say this is notable just because we so this year uh in the fall, we have Morbius coming out. Uh-huh. And then Venom as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct. I think Morbius, well, we said late August, and uh, Venom is October of this year. Yeah. So, obviously, uh, Sony, they're just letting people know we're staking our claim for uh, for the fall. Once all of the big summer movies are out of the way, uh, we're going to try to open up this space and just claim it as, these, uh, as this weird Spider-Man universe that we're trying to build. So I've heard some people say that they think it's going to be a Craven movie, um, yes. but honestly, I think you gotta save. There's you gotta save some villain, right, for the next proper Spider-Man movie. That's uh-huh. so. I'm just trying to think: Are they gonna try to introduce one of these characters uh, for Spider-Man, or who who knows? The the only kind of like conspiracy I could kind of possibly dream up is Kevin Feige has given his blessing which I don't think has happened to kind of uh, increase the roadmap for all of these uh, all these Spider-Man villains so maybe the next Spider-Man movie Spider-Man 3 has all of these villains popping up. Well Spider-Man 3 already has a date for July 16th of next year. Oh yeah that's right I thought it was 2022. No 2021 Spider-Man's already claimed so Spider-Man 3 will already be out by this time. I'm just trying to run through the different iterations of the Sinister Six to be to just think who could be the villain in this next MCU Spider-Man movie. Because so, if you... Uh, I mean, I, would it be weird to have a villain like Kraven in Spider-Man 3 and then he gets his own standalone movie? Well, I, I think, is, is Kraven going to be the 
Spider-Man 3 villain, which would be nice to have him in the MCU, or does Marvel have a different plan and they won't use him and let Sony have him for his own movie? I mean, who knows? Maybe this next movie is they're going to start pooling the uh, they're going to start pooling the villains together. Uh, it maybe maybe they're just gonna have Venom be the hero. You're, Tom Hardy, he's he's top billing. They've already proved that his movie can perform. You know, he's the antihero. Maybe he just maybe uh maybe Morbius just really rubs him the wrong way, and he shows up in town, and then they go to a punch fest. Uh huh. Well, we we've also had Morbius throw us for a loop by not only including Spider-Man two, Raimiverse images but also throwing adrian tombs in as the vulture from the mcu so um who knows what's going on i was going to say disney also has a live action movie scheduled on 10 8 21 what it's not a marvel movie it just says disney live action right okay do you, i it could be a coincidence that this is like is this one of disney's live action are they doing like tangled live action or something like that or are they going to combine universes and Disney's like, okay, you can have this for one of your dates. This is now an MC, a Marvel slot. We're just not saying anything yet until Comic-Con. Disney, October. I'm just trying to trying to search my Disney archive in my head. Yeah. Um, man, what could it be? <laughs> uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, that's the place my brain first went was like a Halloween movie. But I feel like usually when uh, usually when Hollywood does a holiday style movie, they're releasing it the month beforehand. Uh, but maybe with Halloween, it's a little different because you still want to strike in the month, and well, that that could be the first but, opening weekend of October. Here, here's a fun fact. I just did a quick search for Disney October. 2021, the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World is October 1st, 2021. Could it be a a live action, like a classic film or something from from there? I mean, maybe it's a Haunted Mansion style Uh movie. That could be a possibility. Eddie Um, Murphy bringing him back? Hey, probably, probably not. But uh, you forgot that existed, didn't you? Yeah. Well, the the only thing that makes me think that it's not anything Halloween oriented because October 8th isn't the first Friday of that month. The first Friday of that month is October 1st. So it seems like that maybe would be the more optimal place to put a a scary type movie. It it could go either way simply because they need all of October for Halloween. If you stood on Halloween, like. The next one, everyone's already thinking about Thanksgiving, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think it's related. But, you know, I've got a topic here, two points below, Mike, just to give you a heads up of who this movie might be. Okay. Uh, but first, I need to ask you, the Morbius plot supposedly leaked online this week. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to be completely blind to this. But there is one thing that stood out to me that I don't think ruins the movie. It just changes how we're looking at the trailer. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what that is or not? <laughs> Actually, usually I'm the guy on the show that says, no, don't tell me anything. But, I, I mean, you everyone knows how we feel about this uh, Sony <laughs> side universe. So, yeah, go ahead and tell me. If if, oh. if, if you, no one else there wants to know, listening, just, uh, just skip a forward yeah. like 30 seconds. This isn't huge. But, spoilers... The Spider-Man 2 art we saw in the trailer is placeholder. Uh, it will be Tom Holland, Spider-Man, 
in the actual movie. Uh, they're just messing with us, those uh, bastards. <laughs> uh, that it will, and there will be wanted posters with Tom Holland's face on it near the end of the movie. He will not actually appear. So. Oh, man. So much for all of our conspiracy theories. Well, but uh, this is also a very early rumor. Can <laughs> we take this for, for reality, right? Like, I've read leaks that are true. I've read leaks that are fake. They're also doing reshoots for Morbius right now. All this can change. So I mean, I mean, I was just uh, I was just chatting with you before we started recording the show that uh, uh, John Favreau's uh, side venture, the Chef Show on Netflix, uh-huh. where he just uh, cooks and eats with some of his famous friends. Uh, they have a new collection coming out soon, and Sam Raimi is going to be in one of the episodes. So I thought that was very interesting. That like. Uh, John Favreau actually has a personal connection with Sam Raimi, so that could explain maybe how he's kind of getting folded into maybe the MCU and Doctor Strange moving forward. So we're just there's a lot of Sam Raimi vibes out there in the nerd universe right now, all over <laughs> in general. So maybe our spi- our spider senses just can't see through them to, to see what actually the poster is on the it's, wall. Are we calling this the Raimisons? The Renaissance. I mean, he's got to make a good movie. Uh, I mean, we were talking about the Cinema Score uh, earlier in, in the podcast, and if you went on Cinema Score's website right now, you're only going to see a couple of Fs, which apparently are really, really hard to earn. It's really hard to get an <laughs> F Cinema Score. And the last movie Raimi was attached to, uh, now he was just producing, uh, he didn't actually make the movie, was the new Grudge. That came out in January. So uh, was that the Raimi, one that had like John John Cho in it or whatever? Maybe I, I don't know. But that's really weird. Yeah, Raimi's got a little stink on him, but you know he was just. I'm assuming it's just a situation where he was loaning his name. He probably just read the script and was just like, "Yeah, this seems fine. You can put my name on it." And then everything went downhill after that. Yeah, that's really weird. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to to take in about these rumors. What is happening with Spider Man? We we have a history with Spider Man. Two histories with Spider Man, technically. We have a future with Spider-Man, and where does Jared Leto fit in all this? I don't want him in anything, Mike. Get him out of here. I don't want you Morbius. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just a very confusing relationship with Sony because they made Spider-Verse, which is all, like one of my favorite it's, Spider-Man things ever made. So it's like, how do I how do I square all of this Spider-Man it's, stuff? Coming it's a out joint of custody battle that it's not just on the weekends anymore. Like yeah. they're starting to, to to hang out more, and I'm I'm scared they're going <laughs> to get back together. Oh, so man. anyway, Morbius. I think, Mike, we're going to see in October 2021 a Spider-Woman film. Okay. Uh, Right now, this movie is reportedly in development at Sony, and they already have an actress and a director supposedly attached to this. Okay. First is Michelle McLaren, known for directing episodes of Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and Better Call Saul. I mean, that's a good pedigree right there. It is. Uh, She's never actually directed a movie, so that might also put a little kind of towards her but you know we've we've seen people from t- the Russo brothers came from television to movie and did really good so mm-hmm. go either way and then actress Alicia Vikander who was in the most recent Tomb Raider movie to play Jessica Drew the character yeah I mean I guess this is a slightly different sidestep because it's not a villain type of character but yep. I mean, and, as and it's not uh, technically bitten by a radioactive spider person either. Yeah, and as far as I know, uh, with the Jessica Drew character, is aren't her origins still pretty deeply rooted in like Shield or like the spy universe? Isn't she like attached to usually a broader organization? Um, yeah, uh, usually she's like AIM is usually her 
like villain organization. Yeah, it makes me think: are they, are they going to do something with that? You know, although Sony's going to totally just butcher it and make something up. Oh god, yeah, you're probably right. Why am I thinking so hard about <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, <laughs> you, you're you're putting a lot of. I mean, we said they've done some good things recently, but you're putting a lot of faith in there for. They're going to take some very very hard liberties with this character. I would I would hope it's a situation where once you're starting to like lean away from the villains which, you know, Kevin Feige could possibly take or leave, you know, he could always just pull out a different Marvel villain for Spider-Man mm-hmm. to fight. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Sinister 6 style of character, but once you're starting to get into more protagonist Spider-Man characters, man, I would hope at least a producer over there would just have the wherewithal to at least go get lunch with Feige and just be yeah. like, what should we do with this character? Could we possibly fit it into your roadmap? Because honestly, if you're just going to go all on your own and make a Jessica Drew movie, you're going to get maybe one or two out of them. It's best to let it attach itself to the MCU and at least you can get more money out of the character long term. That that would be my theory is like, you know, they've got these, these this an actress who did a great Tomb Raider movie, a, a director who's known for doing good things. Um, that this is technically they working in concert with the MCU on this one character, and we just don't know it yet. Yeah, and usually uh, some of the more interesting, engaging parts of Jessica Drew is kind of when she's interacting with with Spider Man. You know, either like a you know trying to help him, or you know yeah. trying to work with she, him, or and, just and she's trying more to, of a spy character. Like, yeah, like what? How does she, how does she fit into this weird Spider Man universe of? Bats biting people and giving them powers and alien Ooh. symbiotes and uh, man, I hope yeah. I hope Morbius is good. I, they this is it's got to be good. I I really hope so. <laughs> well, if not, we'll keep our fingers crossed for uh, like we said a Venom two that that blows us out of the water compared to the first one. Mm-hmm. A lot of good talent in there. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Carnage. Show me Carnage. But anyway, we're gonna talk about a movie we saw last week. Another female led movie. Now titled Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Um, I'm pretty sure we talked about this in our review episode. The title Birds of Prey is very not indicative of the movie. And now it's just called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. So um, do you think this will help them get any more money? Uh, I think it's I think it's a kind of a damage control. I think the the official um, the official reasoning was they were trying to uh, engage better in like SEO. Which to me doesn't really make any sense because Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey was already in the official title to begin with. So uh, I don't think that was really doing – I think basically they all had a meeting on Monday after the movie premiered and they're just like, fuck, what are we doing? Uh, well, we can change the title. All right, do that. What else can we do? All right, you go ahead My, and do that. <laughs> I don't even think it's – I think I think someone high up was like, what's this Birds of Prey movie we just put out? Why does it suck? And like, oh, that was a Harley Quinn movie. Oh, put that in the title. Um, because I mean, I, again, I work on websites, SEO, you you do as well. You don't just change it and expect the SEO to build the next day kind of thing. (laughs) You can pre-build all that without having the name directly in the title. So, um, call bullshit on Sony right here or not Sony, uh, Warner brothers right here, right now. Sorry, Man, Sony, I, you're doing okay. I, some creative over there at Birds of Prey early on really stood up, made a really strong presentation for that ridiculously long title of the movie. Like, no, 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 no. This is an edgy movie. This is going to really be out there in the zeitgeist. Uh, we're going for kind of like this random culturalness. These millennials, they love weird stuff like this. We're going to do fantabulous. That's got to be in the title. This is really going to help the movie succeed. And they're like, you just got to trust me. Trust me, this is going to work they're like all right 
and then it didn't work. So they're just like, they're like, nope, sorry, you're fired. We're changing the title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or not fired. Like that person's probably moved on to another project. They're over now working on uh, Spider Woman. Yeah, there you go. Coming up, <laughs> the the <laughs> fantabulous emancipation of one Jessica Drew. And they're like, no, thank you. Get out, sir. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. Instead, they've decided to focus our attention elsewhere this week at Warner Brothers and released the first look video of Robert Pattinson's Batsuit for the upcoming yeah, The Batman. Yeah, look at that. This was... I thought it was just a, uh, a kind of a boss move uh, to put it up on Vimeo. Just yeah. Matt Reeves reminding people out there that uh, Vimeo is still a website service. Yeah, so Vimeo, we have the link for the full video there. You can hear Michael uh, Giacchino's score um, actually back there, um, his his Batman score, which it's got hints of the classic eight, uh, 89 Batman and some of the Nolan stuff. And this suit is very reminiscent of two things to me. One, the Arkham games, right? It's got that metal plating, right? Very, very stiff metal plating, but also a little bit of um, Christopher Nolan's um, chess pieces, or at least suit. Yeah, I mean, the the, the biggest kind of uh, speculation I've heard coming out of this is people are, are, are thinking this battering on the chest is removable, which I think is very easy to see. It definitely looks like an item that it is looks like in set. It looks like two knives. Yeah, it looks really cool. I'm just imagining a lot of really badass melee combat where he pops these things out of his chest and he's like stabbing fools, uh, chopping them. I, I would assume they also are thrown, which will be pretty badass. Uh, the theory that to me doesn't really hold much water is a lot of people are saying like oh this looks like the metal that was melted down from the gun that killed his parents and i'm just i yeah uh, i don't know if you've heard that but that's been a prevailing theory but to me that just doesn't make sense just because i'm just looking at the amount of material first and it just doesn't seem like one handgun uh can smelt down to make these kind of big tactical knives and also, I think people are just gravitating that way because the grips on them just kind of visually look like the grip of a gun. But I think that's just classic ergonomics. I think people figured out a long time ago that the uh, that a gun grip just is very effective. So uh, that's just the way a yeah. hand likes to grasp things. So I think they're just looking at the overall just aesthetics of the of this battering form, and they just see gun. Like, but uh, I. It's but not the that, first that time just, the internet's been wrong. Okay. Yeah, fine. but yeah, but that just seems like a lot of narrative work you got to build into your movie. Like, so did Bruce pick up the gun in the alley, or did the bad guy drop the gun and run away? Uh, did he track him down years later and be like, "Is this the gun you used to kill my parents? Yeah. I'm taking it. It's mine." Like, so yeah. I just, then he makes I, the bad guy watch him melt it down into the <laughs> the, the battering thing. Yeah, I'm gonna stab you with this when I'm all done. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that looks the the front looks cool. I think the the biggest thing is also the headpiece is very reminiscent of um, the classic '60s Batman cowl, with the yeah. very very hard line across the face there, um, and then the uh, but it's also Robert Pattinson's like jaw of steel here. He's got the biggest jawline ever. So like it looks very much like. Um, the the classic '60s Batman mask. Yeah, the jawline works really well. I love the collar. That it looks like it's padding that's connected to the cape. It doesn't look like it's a hard plastic collar, but yeah, I love that. It just really adds to the the overall aesthetic. Yeah, this really this red tint's really throwing me off here. But I mean, uh, some I've seen some people color it online. I think Boss Logic did his interpretation of it somewhere. Yeah, um, I. 
I, I linked that in our show notes just because he went ahead and uh, kind of postulated on what the ears could look like because that's the big aesthetic information that we don't yet have of this character is how are the ears going to look because uh, Ben Affleck's ears were a little bit more uh, stubby. Uh, yeah. So that's the last ineration we saw of Batman. Uh, I think Michael Keaton, he also had very pointy ears. Very tall ears, kind of like this one, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if maybe uh, maybe that's the direction it's, that they're going to go. This looks like, to be honest, a, a, an amalgamation of every Batsuit ever made. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's, it's weird just because, like... Um, I saw a lot of people out there. Uh, it's just like the right of being a person that's on the internet is you're going to have an opinion about a first look or a casting choice of a Batman character. Just we've been doing it for millennia now. So uh, when you scroll through like the, the Matt Reeves replies on Twitter, because I think that's where he had posted this Vimeo video originally, you see people with like usernames of hashtag release the Snyder cut. And uh, they say, this isn't my Batman. Uh, ben Affleck is my Batman. And they turned it into like a hashtag or whatever. Man, people just, people are always out there. They're going to complain about Those something. people complained about Ben Affleck when he was cast to begin <laughs> with. Like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's just it's just two different styles of uh, of Batman. But I think this is a really, this is a really effective first look. Because the Batman, the Batfleck first look was really cool. Because we got to see the Batmobile at the same time along with it, which was really cool. And it was really a moody shot. It made all of basically the Ben Affleck haters disappear because it looked so badass. And it looked like the Dark Knight Returns ripped out of the comic book page. So that appeased a lot of people. But I really like this reveal because it's not a static image. We get a cool video, so we get a lot of cool tone and feel to it. Uh, like you said, we get to hear the score. We get to preview that a little bit. And also just the tech, the, the, the battering coming out, I think is just, I think it's really cool. I think it's more than just like a little gadget. It just looks, you can kind of just see the thoughtfulness that's coming from the character just out of like, I'm going to make sure that I'm a little bit more practical, uh, but well, still badass. <laughs> and this is also just the last bit of news here on this. That this movie will reportedly revolve around year two of Batman's career. So he's going to probably need a little more protection the second year than possibly later on because this technique hasn't been perfected yet. Yeah, I can only... I'm hoping uh, Matt Reeves understands that we've seen the origin of Batman a million times now. We've seen his parents die countless Martha. times on screen. So it seems like do what they did with Tom Hall, Tom Holland Spider-Man. We never saw Uncle Ben die. We never even heard the famous line with great power comes great responsibility. We kind of heard like a variation of play on that. So I think you do that with Batman now. I think now's come to the time, at least for one movie, Let's just have a simple one-off line where he said, "My parents died in an alley, and now I'm Batman." You know, even even the Joker like... movie couldn't escape the Batman. <laughs> exactly. So hopefully they've they've moved past it. By yeah, now. I agree. Take the Spider-Man approach. Um, I, the Batman's been rebooted just as many times as Spider-Man now. So I mean, mm-hmm. just just keep on. Yeah, keep but, it on. But the fact that year two makes it very interesting to me because it makes me think this is a bat in transition. So I would almost like to see the movie open up where he's in a different suit. Maybe he's in more of like a prototype suit, you know, and he's just got his ass like handed to him. Like there's parts there. Like he's got like shoulder pads like falling off. So you want an you Iron know? Man story? Yeah, that, I think that'd be kind of cool. Like he yeah. like so we join him in year two where he's like finally upgraded his suit. Maybe it's finally done. Maybe there is an Alfred Alfred already built into this universe, and Alfred's been helping him work on the suit. It's, a ro- uh, it's an AI in his in his helmet. 
Yeah, so don't don't give me a situation of um, season one of Daredevil where I have to wait till the very end of the movie to get me the Batman suit. I'm saying like pretty much in the first ten minutes of the movie, we see we kind of see him leave symbol sim- symbolically leave his first year as Batman, his freshman Batman years, and enter his sophomore Batman years. Yeah, to the date. I want I want a graduation scene. I want him throwing the cowl into the air. Yeah, you know, signifying For this. God's sake. Give me something I can sink my teeth into and look forward to a sequel. Like, I, if Robert Pattinson's going to be our Batman, if we're going to really lean into this, let me possibly postulate a Batman Year 4 movie. You know, just let me let me dream of the future of Batman for I, once in a long time. I would love one, the one, like, can we... I don't think this is based on the long Halloween, but build toward the long Halloween where all these villains, because we have, uh, you know, Penguin, uh, Riddler... Uh, Catwoman, all these people in this movie, and you're not going to have time to do everything, right? So leave them some space to do something later on, like you said, uh, to do a big movie together. They team up, like all the Batman villains coming together against them. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I agree. And if we're going to look at movies that are showing this, like different years of someone, like probably the last year of Indiana Jones will be (laughs) this year. Um, Indiana Jones 5 movie will start filming this summer. And as early as April, according to Harrison Ford. All right. I mean, what 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 do you what do you even say now? What's the hot take? What's the overall opinion on Indiana Jones? We you know, all you we know all. What, we <laughs> what do we need? We need short round to take over. Oh my god! An short adult round. short round coming back into this movie, Mike. We don't need some fake son they make up along the way. Short round's been in this universe before. I mean, I don't want to spoil the ending of Uncharted Four. But the un- the ending of Uncharted Four is what I wanted in Indiana Jones for, like that they set it up perfectly. The tone of all the characters and the uh, the the relationship between child and and father and parents, like I I'm I got all the Indiana Jones I possibly could have needed out of that Uncharted franchise. And Indiana Harrison Ford, he's just an old grumpy man now. Uh, hopefully, who's ever directing this movie um, can handle Harrison Ford. Yeah. At his grumpiest and oldest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think they're going to kill him at the end. Really? Yeah, Harrison Ford's not doing movies unless he dies in them these days, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I see it more as maybe just like a ambiguous retirement, not really so much of he's so, dying. <laughs> I want more Indiana Jones-style movies. Uh-huh. Could he handle a mantle over? Would you accept that? Oh, I, 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 it seems like that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, yeah, you got to hand, hand the mantle to somebody. And it's not Shia LaBeouf. Like, no, don't do it to him. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I just checked uh, IMDb. According to IMDb, uh, July 9th, 2021 is the is the slotted release date for the Untitled Indiana Jones Project. And the director seems to be Spielberg. So, I mean, what do you take away from that? Uh, I mean, he worked on the last one, but also worked on the other one. So, really yeah. rolling the dice here. <laughs> well, I talked this weekend to someone about how uh, the second Indiana Jones, um, was it Temple of Doom? Is just Spielberg was going through like a messy divorce and like no one likes that movie because like he put all of his anger into that movie instead. <laughs> and that's why the second one didn't turn out as well. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully he's, he's good. We can, we can have some fun here. I, I hate the CGI in the fourth one though. <laughs> 
I remember that sticking out worse than some sort of aliens. It's been forever since I, I, I wouldn't mind rewatching Indiana Jones four just because it's been so long. I know I didn't exactly love it when I got out of the theater, but you know, I guess I have to revisit it. At some cue point, cue right? it up right after you get done with avatar. Uh, go right into Indiana Jones four. <laughs> Um, something I, again, I'm not equipped to talk about masters of the universe at all, Mike. Uh, but the, the new anime series on Netflix revelation with Kevin Smith as a showrunner has announced their voice cast and good Lord, is this a voice cast? If yeah. I've ever seen one, I mean the, the biggest, uh, biggest marker here is Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Yes. And can't you just already picture him doing the Skeletor laugh in oh, your yeah. head. I mean, like, I mean, he pretty much was Skeletor in um, in the puppet show on Netflix. What was that called oh, again? Uh, Dark, Dark Crystal. Crystal. Yeah. yeah, he pretty much. So it's it's already there. It's perfect. I mean, that he's going to be an amazing Skeletor. Um, uh, if you go down a little bit further, there's other people that you can point out for sure. But Henry, Henry Rollins, the the punk singer from yeah. the from uh, Black Flag, he's going to be Triclops, and I was I was surprised that he had done voice work in the past as well. He was um, the Airbender villain in the Legend of Korra, which I I didn't realize until this voice cast uh, came out. So yeah, just yeah. a crazy cast list. Well, here. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, you know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Alicia Silverstone, who was Batgirl, uh, Diedrich Bader, uh, who's, who's hilarious and stuff. Tony Todd, I believe he was the um, the Black the Black Flash God in the Flash show. What was that guy's name? Uh, uh, reverse the, Flash? Not Reverse uh, Flash. Savitar? Yes, yeah, Savitar. Maybe? He was Savitar yeah. in that one, the voice of that. Um, I think that the other biggest thing is uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman himself as Merman. A weird <laughs> a weird place to put him in, but, I mean, these character names for, for Master of the Universe have never been exactly... They've been to sell toys, not to to make you think so yeah uh, i'm curious how much of this is uh kind of netflix throwing its weight around or just how much is this uh kevin smith kind of cashing in his uh celebrity cachet because i'm sure a lot of these people he he knows them uh pretty well well i mean you got uh, his daughter uh, and then jason muse and then also um there was somebody Ju- else uh justin long is in here justin yeah. long was in a, a kevin smith movie not too too long ago but yeah this is a this is a fun cast list I'm, I, I, now that we're not going to be seeing uh kevin because kevin smith was going to be doing um uh, howard the duck on hulu yes, right correct. and now that's canceled so now we have a uh, kind of his proper animation project here moving forward yeah and and this one looks like i, I mean it's an anime it's revelations not the main one because they're doing another main one will this be wacky will this be goofy will it lean into the 80s uh kitschiness uh, i mean uh, i'm more curious if it's going to lean into or connect with she-ra at all because i know she-ra is really well, popping off over at netflix well there, there's another this is two of masters of the universe projects going on i don't think this one will connect to, i think the other one is the main one which may connect to she-ra so i, I think this is going to be a little like i when they say anime i think of what was it the the um alucard castlevania series a mm-hmm. little bit like that kind of stuff but who knows with this this voice cast though is just awesome very fun. Lastly, uh, in news nobody was surprised to see, Stranger Things Season 4 teaser reveals that, in fact, Hopper is alive. <laughs> and in Russia. I just, I just I, I would love to see some people's uh, uh, conspiracy theories. Like, some people were 
dead set on the fact that he was dead. Oh, no, no, he's dead. His sacrifice would just be in vain if he was still alive. He's not still around anymore. Uh, no, he's dead. He's off the show. And just anyone out there with a brain cell is just like, no, he's still alive. Nobody, you're not, gonna, not dead. You're not, you're not just going to kill off like one of like the one of the more popular actors out there right now and one of the biggest shows yeah he's still alive he's in russia he's digging a hole or he's laying down rail 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 line yeah so he's alive stuck in russia somehow um which means you know his sacrifice may not have been in vain but how does he get back to the other side of the world yeah from russia with love i'm really curious where the um it's the Duffer Brothers, right? Yes. Um, I'm really curious where they take uh, the series tone-wise because there is nothing but tone in this little teaser. This seems like very dark, very gritty. He's basically uh, an imprisoned slave that's trapped in Russia. And then when I try to square that with all of the fun campiness that was in the last season of just a bunch of children running around trying to thwart a Russian plot and um, – you know, basically all but throwing marbles on the ground for the bad guys to slip on. I'm just like, how do they get to Russia to save Hopper? Maybe there'll be two concurrent stories going on where Hopper is trying to escape and then eventually, like, they come together, maybe in a different country somewhere. Um, well, they, they, I don't know. Half the people left Hawkins in the last one. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm just more surprised that we got a teaser already because I still have it on very strong authority that the next season isn't until 2021. And I have a feeling that this is giving a lot of people false hope that they're going to be seeing more stranger things this year. But I I think stranger things is just this gigantic, very expensive project that is very important to Netflix. And I think it's going to be stuck on a every other year cycle now. I don't know if the next season's the last season. I think or they be... said the four was the last from the Duffer Brothers. Yeah, either four or five. So we're either looking at the last season here or if there's going to be another one. Who knows? But, yeah, you're probably still going to be waiting at least a, another year to a year and a half for more Stranger Things. So Do you... I don't know if this was a strategic thing that they made and they're like, let's release it on Valentine's Day or um, or if this was maybe the first thing they shot. I mean, the first thing it makes me think is – oh, we're going to start shooting out in public with Hopper. People are going to get set photos. We got to go ahead and let everybody know that he's alive. There's no way we're going to be able to hide it for, you know, 18 months. Right. Well, I just think it's interesting. Again, he, uh, David Harbour, is in Russia, and then he's going to play a Russian authority in Black Widow. In a <laughs> yeah, I've seen the memes, Chris. I'm on the internet. I know. I've not seen the memes. I've not been on the internet since this trailer came out. So, Oh, yeah. Every, everybody's going that way. It, it, it always reminds me of that conversation I had with somebody where they were, like, they were just very excited for one day for Grant Gustin's Flash to team up with Spider-Man. And it just, I feel like there's that same person is seeing these memes like, oh man, I can't believe Stranger Things is crossing over with Black Widow. Like, some there's always at least one person out there that thinks this, this stuff is real, which is always very entertaining to me. Yeah. Well, at least he looks a lot slimmer in this one than he does in Black Widow. I'll give him yeah. that much. He's he's not getting a lot to eat. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> in he's that prison camp, building those railroads out in the snow. So, yep, Hopper is still alive. Stranger Things. I bet uh, to me this is a merchandising ploy, Mike. You're going to see Stranger Things merch bringing in residual money all year, and this is just a reminder. Hey, Stranger Things still exist. Come buy our stuff. <laughs> so there's that. Anyway, Mike, that's the end of our show this week. We are wrapped up on notes. People want to know what you're up to, what you're doing, where can they find you at? 
Oh, that's so easy to do. All you got to do is follow me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram and Twitter, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, where can they find you playing those board games? Oh, you can find me on Twitter, V-A-L-D-A-N, Valdan, or Instagram, Valdan87. Uh, you can also probably add me on Xbox and PlayStation with those same names, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'll have to go look at the PlayStation. I don't remember what it was uh, for playing those games later. Uh, also, have, like I said, head over to Kickstarter. Check out uh, Marvel United if you're interested in that. Links in the show notes. If people know about all the other episodes we do, maybe they saw Birds of Prey. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, sorry. Gotta, gotta fix that. Uh, and they want to hear our review. Thoughts on it? Where can they find that at? Well, as always, all you got to do is visit SuperheroSlate.com. That is the best resource for this very podcast. So if you want to check out our show notes or our other movie reviews, head on over to the website, and you can get our awesome show notes too. So if you want to see that uh, Boss Logic uh, kind of comp of what he thinks uh, the new Batman might look like, we got that in our show notes. If you want to look at that voice, that full voice cast list, we got the links in our notes too. So go check all that stuff out. The Kickstarter that Chris is practically drooling over, we got the link to that in our show notes as well um, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts YouTube, Spotify and wherever else you like to listen to find podcasts. Like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter and the Gram and you can get merch at SuperheroSlate.com slash store like Chris said we love hearing from you so let us know uh, if you. I want to know if you saw Sonic what did you think of Sonic? Does it deserve the A Cinema score? Are you with the audience with the 90% Rotten Tomato or are you with the critics who are leaning in the mid 60s possibly high i think it was in the high 60s now so i think it's still technically fresh it is fresh um, if you if you will so let us know what you thought about sonic maybe we'll get around to watching it eventually uh but we love hearing from you and if you want to be a super fan of this show all you got to do is share the show with a friend share the show with a buddy and we will be here every single week until we expire yes we keep getting these renewal notices every every couple months there's more movies coming out so we'll be here. Mm-hmm. all right we'll catch you guys next week all right bye everybody thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe Energy. Meat Mountain.